Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. This week on the Chicago Bears Review. With the NFC West and same place opponent previews out of the way, Larry D. welcomes SB Nation's Lori Lattimore Volkman from the Mile High Report to talk about the AFC West and the Broncos. Are the Broncos still the class of the West, or will the other teams have something to say about it? All of this and so much more on the AFC West preview episode of the Chicago Bears Review. As the days to training camp get closer and closer, we here at the Chicago Bears Review are plugging right along with our opponent preview episodes for the upcoming 2015 season. What's going on, everybody? Larry D. back with the AFC West preview episode of the Chicago Bears Review and um, had an outstanding conversation with uh, Lori Lattimore Volkman from the Mile High Report or milehighreport.com on uh on SB Nation. Uh we touched a little bit upon the uh the the other AFC West teams, the 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 Raiders, the Chargers and the uh and the Chiefs. Didn't get too in depth with them kind of, you know, kind of glossed over them a little bit uh to cover those teams. And uh then we, you know, talked about the Broncos. Uh she had a chance to meet Peyton Manning uh because of a of a, a blog that she wrote uh just after they lost Super Bowl 48 to to the Seahawks uh, last year. And, um, you know, many, many other things that we covered uh, with the Broncos and, um, you know, an outstanding conversation. It was a long one, too. Once <laughs> once you get her going, it's not easy to slow her down. So, uh, you know, full of energy. She was, a, a, a you know, an awesome, awesome interview. I had a great time talking to her. Definitely hope to have her back on when the Bears and Broncos play each other uh, in November. So, um, you know, we um, – you know, we got that done. We, we the, the AFC West is done. The NFC West is done. Same place opponent preview episodes out of the way. And, uh, you know, all that's left is the NFC North. And uh, I do have talks set up with all three teams, uh, three teams representatives. I got Evan Wester from uh, AcmePacking.com or AcmePackingCompany.com. Also on SB Nation, uh, Jeremy Reisner from um, – uh, pride of detroit to talk about the lions and uh chris gates from the daily norseman to talk about the vikings all of those talks are next week and uh just to give you guys a chance to breathe a little bit i'm going to try and spread these shows out uh you know give them at least a few days in between uh so you're not um, bombarded but uh you know, I am I am having a great time doing all this the feedback about having these uh you know outside people on the show to talk about their teams and everything getting a lot of positive feedback from you guys and i appreciate that letting me know that i'm on the the right track with this uh 
with this experiment uh, of mine. So it's uh, something that we'll be going forward with. And, uh, you know, like I, uh, you've heard me ask them on the show uh, to see, you know, will you, you know, come talk to us again when our teams are playing each other and so on and so forth, hoping to be able to uh, to make that happen so that the uh, we, you know, add a little bit of a spice to the to the preview episodes, because, you know, I don't need any help whatsoever with the review episodes. That one's all me talk about the game am i happy am i pissed so on and so forth but uh you know to spice up the preview episodes i think we'll uh we'll add some outside folks to it and uh see if we can't uh you know make it a lot more enjoyable uh to uh to do that so without further ado we're going to go ahead and uh, dive right into this conversation with Lori Lattimore Volkman from the Mile High Report on SB Nation to talk about the AFC West and more specifically her team the Denver Broncos. All right, and here we are from uh, the Mile High Reports on SB Nation. We have uh, Lori Lattimore Volkman uh, with us on the show. Lori, thanks so much uh, for joining us today. Thank you. It's great to be here. Ah, my pleasure. Now, you are a Denver Broncos fan, yes. but uh, we have designated you, or I have, not we, but I have <laughs> designated you my AFC West correspondent, at least for this preview <laughs> show. So before we go diving into your Broncos, because we got lots to talk about there, we're going to cover what we can with the AFC West and the other three teams that are in there, um, and uh, then we'll, we'll, we'll get down to business and talk about your guys. Okay. Okay. So, but before we get to that, um, unlike my counterparts at the Football is America <laughs> podcast, I actually did do a little research on you before uh, I had you on my <laughs> beloved show, and you are somewhat of an internet celebrity because an article that you wrote, a blog, went viral, and it actually led to you meeting Peyton Manning. It did. It did. So, how did that come about? Well, um... It came about because the Broncos got walloped in the Super Bowl, <laughs> and, uh. and uh, it was, I, like most Broncos fans, you know, you, you try to tune out the media after a, a big loss because it's so depressing to hear over and over why you didn't do what you should have done, and what I kept hearing was all this noise about Peyton Manning's legacy being tarnished, and I don't know if it's the professor in me or what, but I, I got pretty irritated with their use of the word legacy because I feel like his football um, performance certainly was hurt. I mean, if you're going to look at his football record over, you know, 17 years or um, at the time, 16, I think, you know, obviously losing several Super Bowls, losing that way in such a dramatic way, especially when you had been such a dominant offense all year. You know, that's not going to look good on your football right. resume. But if there is a, if there's a guy in the NFL who is, is a good guy and the guy you want everyone to look up to and you want your kids to try and be like, it is Peyton Manning. And I think you can, go back, you can go back decades and go forward decades and there will still not be somebody like Peyton Manning. And so I, I got, just got angry, honestly, with them talking about his legacy and felt like his legacy – um, is not going to be hurt at all. In fact, the way he handled that loss and the way he 
um, the year before, the way he handled the loss to the Ravens when we really thought, you know, we were going to the Super Bowl that year too. Yeah. It's so, you know, he's so classy and so professional. And if anything, his legacy, I think, was strengthened. And I was listening to Mike and Mike and Mike Greenberg and Chris Carter were going on about the legacy and I just had it. So I sat down and typed out my thoughts and put it on Facebook. And since I have, you know, many friends on Facebook who are Broncos fans, a bunch of them shared it. And, you know, the the thing about going viral is you have to have a, a relevant topic and your timing has to be perfect. Yeah. <laughs> I just got really lucky with both. VR training platforms like the one developed by Fundamental VR and Orbis International are helping surgeons train over and over before operating on real patients. As you practice each skill, the muscle memory starts to develop. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. As you write your life story, you're far from finished. Are you looking to close the book on your job? Maybe turn a page in your career. Be continued at the Georgetown University School of Continuing Studies. Our professional master's degrees and certificates are designed to meet you where you are and take you where you want to go. At Georgetown SCS, the learning never stops, and neither do you. Write your next chapter. Be continued at scs.georgetown.edu slash podcast. Both of those, a couple days after the Super Bowl, Broncos fans were still pretty mad, and obviously um, anything promoting their quarterback was going to feel good, and so it got shared. And what really did it was uh, the Denver Post printed it as a guest commentary um, uh, on their, and then on their Facebook page, and that's kind of where it probably went the most viral. Yeah, where it kind of took off, right? Yeah. So you did get the chance to meet him. Yeah, so then last fall... Um, he didn't actually, you know, he didn't contact me or, or do anything um, after that. And I, I didn't expect him to. I didn't write it thinking Peyton Manning was going to call me. <laughs> I right. In fact, one of the things I, I really admire about him is how he, how he does interact with fans, but, you know, and does it so many ways and, um, you know, and is very personable, but also, you know, doesn't get caught up in media hype and, you know, whatever. So he kind of does his own thing. But we were going to a game in um, September, my, my family and I. It was going to be my boy's first time to, uh, to see the Broncos. And so we, I just, I sent, um, I basically sent a letter to, you know, kind of to the PR guy um, at the Broncos to get to send to Peyton. You know, I mean, I didn't know if it would get to him or not. But, um, and I had a little video um where we just said good luck you know hope hope uh hope it's a great game and my son wrote a letter and um to Peyton saying he was his favorite player and he hoped he you know would get to meet him one day and so Peyton called uh or Peyton you know the, the told the PR guy to, to call me and so we got off the plane to Denver not knowing we were going to meet him at all we just I had a message from Denver Broncos PR and <laughs> I've still saved it on my phone <laughs> And you know, it was the funniest call. He, the guy said, yeah, so Peyton got your letter and really liked it and wanted to know if maybe you'd like to come by the, you know, the team hotel tonight to, to meet him. <laughs> I thought, are yeah, you yeah. No thanks. That's all right. Just, <laughs> you know, we're kind we're, of busy. We're going to go to dinner. Yeah, it's, we're traveling. It's, yeah, no, that's all right. 
<laughs> so it was so funny because we were literally getting into the taxi and my husband's like, what are you, what are you doing on the phone? I'm like, hold on. <laughs> and uh, I got off the phone and we're in the taxi. And I'm telling the boys, guess what? You get to meet Peyton Manning. And everybody went crazy. So, um, so it was great. It was really, it was really, just you know, in true Peyton Manning style, he was very humble, very just sort of normal, you know. But the fact that he would do it the night before a game, I know how, uh, you know, what a big deal preparation is for him. And in fact, when when we met him, he was on his way to go into like a conference room by himself to you know to study the playbook a little longer. So right. it just it was just everything you kind of expect and also surreal at the same time. Okay. Well, you know, I was I was on the SB Nation uh, page, the Mile High Report. Uh, actually, I was on. It was a Twitter. Is actually where I was uh, yesterday, and uh-huh. I saw a on the Mile High Report uh, feed. Uh, What's Peyton Manning doing this summer? Dot dot dot. Being awesome. My first thought immediately was, Lori wrote that. <laughs> I know she did. I click on it, and what's the name that comes up? It's yours, talking about Peyton Manning being awesome. So. I we just, have uh, we have an over under bet going on at Mile High Report on how many pro Peyton Manning articles I can write this season. So I'm doing my best to shatter the everybody's predictions. What is the over under? Well, it's funny. It started off as ten, like as a joke, a couple of months ago. I'm like, you gotta be kidding me! I can do ten in one week. Yeah. So, <laughs> so, so I I made it twenty, but really I'm gonna have to up that too, or this is not gonna be a fair fight. <laughs> <laughs> okay. All right, so Peyton Manning love aside, let's go ahead and uh, <laughs> uh, dive into uh, our AFC West opponents here. Uh, quickly with the, uh, let's start at the bottom and work our way up to the top. How about that? Um, with the Raiders? <laughs> yes, we'll start with the Raiders. That is usually where the bottom begins with the AFC West, unfortunately, for yeah. Oakland fans. Um, not so much want to talk about 2014 because there's really not much of anything to talk about in 2014. They started 0-10. They did fire their head coach four games into the season, Dennis Allen being let go. Tony Sperano takes over. They win three out of their last six games to finish 3-13. and I think what's most interesting about the Raiders is where they might be going or at least where they're setting themselves up to go because for the first time in a long time, the people that they drafted weren't abysmal failures there, you know, um, because their first three picks last year, Khalil Mack, um, Derek Carr, and an offensive uh, guard, Gabe Jackson, were all yeah. starters and big contributors for them last year. And then their top three picks this year, uh, Amari Cooper, um, Mario Edwards Jr. and uh, tight end Clyde Walford are all expected to start. So they're building a solid foundation for the future. They bring in Jack Del Rio. They steal him away from your Broncos, who was your defensive <laughs> he, coordinator. He left. He just That's he had true. one foot out the door uh, yeah, a couple yeah. weeks before. I mean, at least at least in the middle of the playoffs, which I won't I won't lie, kind of bitter. I don't mind him being gone, but I, I don't like that. I think it actually hurt us quite a bit. But anyway. Yeah, whereas his office is all packed well. up. Just waiting for the, the season. The Raiders will do better with him, no doubt. Right. So that's where they're headed right now. They they finally have a quarterback um, in Derek Carr. They have a target for him with, with Amari Cooper. They signed Michael Crabtree. They got rid of uh, Darren McFadden and his 
you know, partial participation as he did throughout his career. And, you know, they seem to have some strengths and something positive, at least to give the black hole of, you know, the fans something to look forward to, (laughs) whether it's whether it results in wins and losses, at least the Raiders look like they might start being competitive for a change. Right. Which would actually be a lot more fun for the AFC West. I mean, for the Broncos, I think I think every team, unless you're maybe the Patriots and you want to just coast through your division, it's right. it's nice to have good um, to have good competition. It makes you better if and you know as you get to the end of the season if you've had good teams to play twice a year, um, you know, to end up being six times a year for, uh, from your conference. So yeah, and hopefully you know for, for Raider fans anyway that. This young foundation will will spur future free agents to want to actually play there, because the Raiders had sixty million in cap space and had every intention of going after guys like Indomitian and Sue and Demarco Murray because they had the money to lure those guys away and nobody would take their money. Nobody wanted to go to Oakland and, and play for the Raiders at least not yet. Not when you started zero and ten and finished three and thirteen and uh, <laughs> right. everything. So it's. Uh, <laughs> So hopefully Although this think, for them. I was, go ahead. Yeah, I was surprised Terrence Knighton didn't go there. I thought for sure he was headed to the Raiders when the Broncos weren't going to sign him again. Well, there uh, was a chance he was supposed to come to Chicago as well. It was, mm-hmm. I think, the Raiders, the Bears, and the Redskins where he where he ended up, where his uh, were were basically his top three choices at, at one point, or at least his most highly rumored places, uh, his destinations, right? Uh, if you will. So, well. That's the Raiders, okay? So they, they, they have the, the, the young foundation. Uh, they have a new head coach, a GM, who seems to have his head screwed on straight. So maybe that will work out for them and make things at least interesting uh, going forward. So then we move on to the San Diego Chargers, and this is more of a drama-filled team, <laughs> I would say. Well, when Phillip Rivers is your quarterback, what do you yes. expect? <laughs> You know, because do you have the whole Philip Rivers thing? He's entering the last year of his contract. There was all of that talk before the draft that they might trade him to Tennessee so that they can get their hands on Marcus Mariota. Uh, you know, he's not willing to, or at least at the moment anyway, move to Los Angeles because the Chargers might be playing in Los Angeles in 2016 and, yeah. and everything. Kind of, you know just forgetting that there is a football season to be played. And this is the kind of thing, even though it, it's plagued the entire offseason and overshadowed everything that they've done up to this point, this is something that's not going to go away during the season because every day that passes along during the year is a day closer to finding out if Philip Rivers is going to finish his career in San Diego, are they moving to Los Angeles, and so on. So this is something that's going to plague them throughout the year, and it'll be interesting to see how it affects them going forward. Right. Well... I think, um, you know, Philip Rivers, one of the most fun things about playing the San Diego Chargers is his emotional antics during the game. <laughs> so you have, to, you, know, you have to imagine that it's, you know, it's not just game time that he's, you know, he's kind of like that. Yeah, but, I bet uh, this Jay Cutler. I think he'll stay there, right? <laughs> he and Jay Cutler might be cut from the same cloth. Yeah. Yeah, those guys really like jawing at each other. Unfortunately, Jay didn't win any of those games, but, you know, that's, uh, <laughs> I bet you remember that. Oh, uh, yeah. That one season they were 8-5 and five going in. They just had to win one game to win the division, and they lost all three. Yeah, I know. <laughs> and that was, the end. That, was that? Well, good luck with that guy. <laughs> yeah, that was, uh, that was the end of Shanahan that year, wasn't it? Yeah, I believe, I believe so. I mean, the... <clears throat> 
Shanahan was, I mean, it wasn't because of Jay Cutler, though, but Shanahan was definitely on his way out. (laughs) But from what I remember with Shanahan, it had a lot to do with arguing over the defensive coordinator. And and, um, even though he and Pat Bolin are great friends, um, you know, Shanahan wasn't gonna wasn't gonna get rid of his defensive coordinator, and and because our defense had been kind of pathetic, that had been the this that was what everything revolved around, and so it was it was either Shanahan or or the defensive coordinator, and so he left. And how much of that again is only from that? I I doubt. I'm sure we never know the whole story, but right. Jay Cutler was just kind of a or just an example of, right. of maybe not his best move, although. I mean, everyone in Denver was, or I mean, I think a lot of people in Denver were, were sad to see Jay Cutler go. It's just that by the time that whole situation came down, everyone was mad at everybody. It was just such a pathetic yeah, it was situation all together yeah. that it's like, maybe it's just better to, <laughs> to start over. Um, yeah, it was and, definitely, uh, definitely a mess with, uh, with Josh McDaniels coming in and right, him which then ironically, to, McDaniels, yeah. McDaniels was such a disaster that I'm sure a year out after that situation, everybody thought it would have been better to have Cutler and get rid of McDaniels. Well, the way that it's remembered on the Chicago side of things is that in the beginning, when McDaniels got off to his big five or six and zero start, that uh, Broncos got the better half of that trade because. Cutler was struggling in the beginning because we had no offensive line to protect him. Oh, yeah. yeah. And Kyle, exactly Kyle Orton, you know, who we traded as part of the Cutler deal to Denver was, you know, throwing for 400 yards a game and, you know, touchdown, five touchdowns a game and uh, so on and so forth. Meanwhile, Jake Cutler is, you know, throwing for one touchdown and four interceptions off his back because the offensive <laughs> line is basically just a swinging gate letting everyone through. So, you know, it... Um, you know, I, I don't think there's ever really going to be a winner for that trade because it didn't really work out gloriously for either team. Uh, I mean, we got the, the longer-term deal out of it. You know, yeah. still with us and McDaniels and Orton and all, basically anybody who was a result of that trade is gone on the Denver side. I think, so. what, I think at least on our side, the way it will always be remembered is that it, it should not have even gotten to that. If McDaniels had handled the way he came in more, you know, a little more professionally and not, I think felt, I think he felt a little, he was young and inexperienced as a head coach and just kind of felt like if he came in and established his, his way to, you know, to make a statement, that's what he needed to do. And that just didn't go well with, with Cutler, who wasn't feeling like he was considered the number one quarterback and, and Cutler being, a you know, having the, the tendency to be a baby. <laughs> You know, didn't yeah. react well. Like, if everyone had handled that the way they should have, maturely and professionally, I think we probably would. We would have had Cutler for years, and you know, maybe he would have, you know, realized his full potential. But so there were there was fault on so many levels there that it was. It's just better to let it go down in flames and start over yeah. and remember it as it was. <laughs> yeah. No, it was it was a, it was a mess for sure on. Uh... <laughs> On, on just about every level, you know, as far as the that is uh, that's yeah. concerned. So, but um, okay. So yeah. let's wrap up here. The <laughs> AFC West with basically your your biggest competition in the division, which would be the Kansas City Chiefs. Uh, nine and seven last year, just barely missed out on the uh, playoffs. 
Uh, Andy Reid in his third year now leading the team, the only team last year in the NFL to have beaten both Seattle and um, New England. Uh, both of them were at home. Both of them were, you know, uh, big wins uh, for the Chiefs to show that they could hang with the big boys, and then they would always back that up by losing to the Tennessee Titans or something like that. They either played up or played <laughs> right. down to their competition uh, last year. Uh, remarkably, uh, as a team, there were no wide receiver touchdown passes or Isn't catches Isn't that amazing? That is the most year. amazing stat, I think, of 2014 of any yeah. team. Like, I don't know. How is that even possible? Yeah. Those are the guys it's... who were supposed to score the most touchdowns. Yeah, I mean, even the Jacksonville Jaguars, who had the worst def- offense in the NFL, managed to throw one to a wide receiver. One, just one, <laughs> to a wide receiver last year. So, you know, I know Blake Bortles was a rookie in every year, and he was an interception machine down there, but he still managed to throw a few touchdown passes to actual wide receivers right. uh, last year. So, I mean, that stat, I guess, would make more sense if the Chiefs had a record like the Raiders. They were 3-13. Right. and 13. This team just couldn't yeah. figure out how to score yeah. points. But they were 9-7. and seven. They yeah. were on the verge of making the playoff run there. And uh, somehow they managed to win nine games without completing a touchdown pass <laughs> to a wide receiver uh, last year. So they bring in Jeremy Macklin, one of uh, Andy Reid's old players from uh, Philadelphia. They still yeah. have Jamal Charles. So a lot uh, to work with on the offensive side there. And they also have Justin Houston, possibly the best pass rusher in the NFL. Uh, right yeah, now. I think he he will he will be our bigger you know our biggest concern. In fact, I think for the Broncos, all of all of these teams, I I I think our defense is going to be going to be really good and and you know going to crush most of these guys' offenses. But um, Philip Rivers always he's always trouble for us no matter what. But it's going to be their defenses that that we really have to watch out for. We have we have an offensive line that. <laughs> Nobody knows if they can play football. So, um, yeah. you know, with with just Houston coming at us, <laughs> you know, it's going to be rough. Yeah, yeah. And uh, like I said, I, I feel like they are the biggest competition in the division. I'm not. I mean, the Chargers were nine and seven last year as well, but they were two and four in the division. The Chiefs were three and three. The Raiders were one and five in the division. Of course, your Broncos were perfect. 6 and 0 oh, so the division was a cakewalk for them as far as yeah. uh, putting the victories away last year the, as a 12 and 4 team half their victories came from just beating their division uh, right. opponents that's how you make it easy on yourself that's how a team like that's how that's how a team like the Colts always manages to be in the playoffs because they're better than the other three lousy teams <laughs> that the they Patriots. share the AFC South with but that too you know that but too you're, although you're right. the, I mean, it is it, it, and it is going to be I um I would like to say we'll go six and zero in the division again, but I I'm never that. Um, I'm all to be honest. I'm almost always worried about our division rivals more than other teams, just because it's a rival. So even though you know we're we're pumped up, so are they, and they'll often perform better than you know than maybe all year because they're playing a, a you know a rival, and especially when we've been the top of the division, you know, going to play even better. So. I, I don't expect any cakewalks with the with the AFC West this year. Right. So so those are the other AFC West opponents. Those are the ones that you have to worry about. So let's dive into your guys now. And we were talking about your defense there because you think they're they're going to be pretty good this year. They have that new defensive coordinator in Wade Phillips. Yep. Who is reunited with your new head coach 
Gary Kubiak. They spent some time together down in Houston uh, with the Texans. And uh, actually, Wade Phillips is one of your former head coaches yeah. out there Which, uh, in yeah. Denver. Yeah. I didn't like him as a head coach. <laughs> you know, lie. actually, none of the teams that hired him to be a head coach liked him as a head coach um, because he's obviously not a head coach for anyone right. uh, at the moment. Um, you know, I, I actually used him kind of as a reference uh, when speaking about uh, Todd Bowles, the new head coach of the Jets. Right. I kind of feel like Todd Bowles is the next Wade Phillips. Um, I don't necessarily see him as being, you know, a successful head coach kind of right. kind of guy and that but you know you put him in charge of the defense and the defense will will rule the NFL uh, and so on so Wade Phillips is kind of that guy that you know had moderate success but nothing long term or anything that would make him a, a world beater but he became a defensive coordinator and did so well somebody else gave him another shot right. uh, as a head coach right. Uh, kind of thing. Well, but, at, at Wade Phillips' press conference when he was, you know, his first press conference uh, after coming to, back to the Broncos, I think he opened it up by saying something like, you know, I was a lousy head coach. Yeah, yeah. He even <laughs> he came out and said it. So, I love that. I love the fact that he just put it out there. You know what? I sucked as a head coach, but guess what? Look at my right. look at my record am, as a defensive yeah, coordinator. I am awesome at calling defenses, so I'm just gonna <laughs> keep doing that. It's almost like being in an AA meeting. Like, hi, I'm Wade Phillips, and I'm a lousy head coach. Hi, Wade. It's so How true. Are you? It's so true. He did, but, but what was great is he didn't wait for that question and go on the defensive. He just yeah. went right out there and put it there. And and honestly, then it didn't even get talked about. It was such a smart move. Yeah, yeah. So either somebody on the PR team did an awesome job there, or Wade was like, you know what? I've been asked this a million times. So I'm just going to put it out there. Yeah, so no one else. I think it was Wade. I've noticed in his press conferences, um, actually with all the with Kubiak and and Wade Phillips as well as uh, um, Dennison, Rick Dennison, the offensive coordinator, and even Joe DiCamillis, our our special teams guy. They all tend to be honestly, you know, a little boring, a little, you know, but kind of just straightforward. Hey, yeah, they performed pretty well. No, today was a bad day. Did we need to get better? Like. <laughs> It's kind of refreshing to have, you know, in the media these days, to have someone just kind of say what they really think and not try and try and use, you know, all the, the media speak that, that you're expecting. Right. Now, now on the defensive side, you're, the top pick of your draft this year was Shane Ray, uh, mm -hmm. defensive end slash outside linebacker from Missouri. And uh, right. thanks to his off-field transgressions, uh, the Broncos, <laughs> the Broncos land – a top 10 talent with what the 25th pick in the draft i believe it was because uh, i know uh, they they traded up to get him they moved up a few spots to to pick that him up about right. honestly i don't remember so, but we but did this... we traded up several spots to get him i've yeah. even been 23 but, but you know, yeah this was a guy that when when the mock drafts and everything were were getting hot and heavy shane ray was was going to chicago at number seven where my bears were unfortunately picking uh this year <laughs> Shane Ray was going at number seven or he wasn't making it past number 10 or that kind of thing. And then, of course, he goes ahead and gets busted a few days before the draft. And <laughs> there were some people that said he wasn't going to make it. He was going to make it out of the first round and have to go to day two before he gets picked up. The Broncos take a flyer on him in, in the first round. And, uh, you know, I, I have a feeling this is going to benefit you guys tremendously because, like I yeah. said, you've got a top 10 talent that fell to you. At, you know, even though you traded up to get him, 
you, you know, he fell to you in the 20s and you were able oh, to, yeah. uh, to pick him up there. And of course, everything that I've heard about him so far, as far as his comments to the media and everything is, you know, humble young man, you know, thankful to have a second chance, grateful that the Broncos took a chance on him and, and so on. And, you know, right. hopefully he's not yeah. lying. <laughs> well, I, you know, it was, there was, you can't, I'm sure if you, you might've seen, there were so many jokes as soon as we got him, since he was busted for marijuana right. and he's coming to a state where it's legal. <laughs> it's yeah. like, Oh no. It's like, yeah, <laughs> that's got disaster written all over it. <laughs> Hope, but I think, um, I think the Broncos have been pretty good in recent years of doing due diligence on these players and figuring out whether some of those transgressions are, are red flags or just like, hey, he's young, got caught, it, it, you know, it's not, it, this is not his character, you're not going to have a problem. And, you know, we kind of, that happened with our first round pick last year too, Bradley Roby had gotten, hadn't been right before the draft, so he, he didn't, it you know, didn't affect his draft um, pick as much as Shane Ray. You know, he had had a little trouble with with the law and and that raised some red flags with fans but the broncos said look we we checked it out we've talked with them extensively we don't see this as a problem and it wasn't and i think that track record you know the certainly the shane ray thing it was so prominent in the media because it had just happened that week but when right. you listen to what happened there, you know, it was no Lael Collins situation, and it was, you know, right. So, um, it, it, in many ways, it, it, I even thought it seemed pretty minor. He, he got caught with possession, not, not smoking it, which, <laughs> whatever. <laughs> but, right. But I think you can you can make a pretty good leap there as a team and say, I think we can. I think we can bring this guy in. He's got a. He's had a good work ethic. He's had great production. He's got the kind of attitude and play we want on our defense. We've got a guy on our defense named Von Miller who has had some issues before, who understands the repercussions. We have a guy, Demarcus Ware, who is who is a veteran and a and a good, solid character off the field. I think we can bring this guy along, and we're going to have zero problems. And I, I think that was a pretty good – I think it was a great gamble because I think it will work out that way. And I think, uh, you know, for the Broncos, Shane Ray was 10th on their board. So to be able to trade up, like you said, to 25th spot or something and get him, they felt like it was a real coup. And they're looking forward to putting him in as a rookie, rotating him in with uh, DeMarcus Ware and, and Von Miller this year to be a real force um, on that pass rush for the Broncos. Right. And decisions like that are always easy to make when you have a DeMarcus Ware and a Von Miller to yeah. guide him. It's, you know, very much like uh, the Ravens when they had uh, Ray, when they still had Ray Lewis, you know, if they ever had somebody that was going to be a character problem, we've got Ray Lewis. If anybody in the world's going to straighten him out, this is going to be the guy that does it. You know, some, they're going to follow his lead. He's such a great leader and so on. But, uh, you know, to have a, to have DeMarcus Ware and Von Miller, as your one and two for him to learn from those guys yeah. definitely makes a decision or a gamble like that much easier uh, to make. So yeah, I agree. The, the linebacking core, which is technically what DeMarcus Ware and Von Miller are, even though they're basically pass rushers, um, is basically where your their names are on the defensive side uh, of the ball. With Von Miller, DeMarcus Ware, you have Danny Trevathan and uh, Brandon Marshall uh, in the middle 
there because you have somewhat of a no-name defensive line uh, up front. Uh, right, you know, right. It's uh, you know, kind of anchored by your 2013 first-round pick, Sylvester Williams, uh, with Terrence Knight in the pot roast. He took his name to Washington or to so to Washington, so he's not there anymore. It's you know, basically you have those guys in the front, but you have you know Trevathan and, and company and Demarcus Ware in the background. You also have uh, Akeem Talib and um, uh, Chris Harris as your corners, and then T.J. Ward. I'm still bitter about T.J. Ward. I'm just <laughs> going to say because I wanted so badly for the Bears to sign T.J. Ward when he was a free agent, and we didn't do it. Instead of signing one awesome free safety or strong safety was he ended yeah. up being uh phil emery our former general manager and, and notice i said former uh <laughs> went out and signed like six guys that nobody else wanted and none of them worked out so that was uh yeah so i was very bitter about tj ward because you know for what we paid those six guys we yeah. could have paid tj ward yeah and uh it's good it's i like having tj ward i, I think, bet you do yeah. yeah and and i think a lot of fans feel like tj ward was didn't even reach his full potential last year because of of the scheme that he was put in but with with wade phillips scheme they think you know we'll we'll see even more greatness from tj ward um you know better better production probably um so i'm looking forward to it i i can't say i i i mean i don't i don't know that i would i would say it'll be that much greater but i think he you know it's great to have a guy, you know, with such, with such skill and kind of toughness on our defense. I think last year we, when we got Demarcus Ware and T.J. Ward and Aqib Talib, they kept talking about how our defense was going to be much more aggressive. And then uh, Del Rio just—I don't know—he just didn't quite follow through with that, or at least not throughout an entire game. So Broncos fans feel like this year. This is the year we're going to see an aggressive defense. Last year was kind of a hint at what was what the possibilities were, but we always still pulled back or put guys in coverage, and we put Von Miller in coverage a lot instead of rushing him every play or most plays, um, right. which seemed like a bit of a waste of his talent. So, um, right, yeah. So this year, you know, Broncos fans are stoked way more about the defense than the offense. And even more well, so than they were last year. <laughs> yeah, I mean, well, you know, let's talk about the offense there. There's, there's no more Julius Thomas. He um, decided that he would rather cash checks in Jacksonville than win <laughs> football games in Denver. Um, I that. I, I'm honestly amazed that I shouldn't be. I know I shouldn't be. But if it were me, I would much rather be playing for a better team than, than for a few more million when I'm already making millions. But yeah. But I, I you know, it's easy to it's easy to sit back and criticize when you're not the one being offered the the check. Right. It's you know like yeah, it is easy to be a Monday morning quarterback with that kind of stuff. But it just you know on the face value of it all, would you rather be in contention for a Super Bowl every year, or would you like your season to be over in October <laughs> next year, playing for Jacksonville? It's um, you know, you know I right, and I think I think because. On our on the Mile High Report site, when that whole thing was kind of heating up, whether you know he was staying or going, and um, with the you know before he actually signed with Jacksonville, um, Broncos fans were getting pretty, or you know fans on our site at least on the Mile High Report were getting pretty testy over over Julius Thomas, and Julius Thomas's dad actually um, 
tweeted towards some of our writers and then got on one of the threads and just laid into people about his son. And that just launched a whole, you know, an entire conversation and a lot of, a lot of insults and things thrown around about his son and yeah, whatever, because I mean, people didn't realize it was his dad. We did and had to jump in and say, Hey, <laughs> um, but I think what the sense I got from kind of, and this is totally, I have no basis other than just kind of reading between so many lines. Julius Thomas strikes me as the kind of guy who'd kind of rather be the big fish in a little pond than the little fish in a big pond. And so, you know, I bet he he understands that, you know, Jacksonville may not be in contention. But he, he likes the idea of being the superstar that's going to bring them some glory. And whether it's this year or in a couple years, you know, he's still, he's the superstar. He was their big, their big get in the offseason. Yeah, he and, was. And so, um, and he's making it, he's, he's making a pretty penny and he's living at the beach. And so, you know, life couldn't be better. But unless you really want to win a football championship. <laughs> right. Well, I mean, life couldn't be better. And then the season starts. So. <laughs> right. I mean, Jacksonville's already doomed. Their, their, their top pick went down in his first practice. I so know. it's like 2015's already appearing to be a doomed season for the Jaguars. <laughs> uh, Dante Fowler takes two steps and blows out his knee on a routine play with no pads. There's no contact. He's just trying to rush the corner. Well, we had our third round pick did the same thing. Yes, yes. So yeah. that sucks. I mean, I that I hate that for every single team, except maybe the Patriots. But even the Patriots, I like, <laughs> it, it's just no, you know, injuries injuries ruin the game because it it takes you know. In fact, that's what happened to San Diego so much last year. I always think they're our biggest rival because of Phil Rivers primarily. But you know, they had. They had a lot of injuries to their line and and to their you know to their guys and it just it takes it changes the game and obviously it's part of the game but I just hate it for the players and for you know for teams and for fans it sucks <laughs> so yeah so I, you know it's too that's really a shame for for Jacksonville but even without him I I mean even if they'd had him Jacksonville would struggle and I think Julius Thomas you know felt like that's okay he's still. He'd kind of like to be the center of the of attention, and so that's good for him because he wouldn't be at the Broncos. True, true. So, and his uh, brother in name only, Demarius right. uh, Thomas, still waiting for a contract negotiation to yeah. go through on that one. Have you heard any progress being made on that front at all? No, and you know the Broncos are always pretty tight-lipped about that stuff, um, and and I think that's good, but I. I think you you can kind of look at that and say, well, <laughs> clearly, I'm sure the Broncos have made an offer. They wouldn't wait till July 14th to do that, but um, because the you know Demarius has signed his franchise, or he hasn't signed it, but he's been tagged and he has until July 15th to sign it um, or sign a long-term deal. And um, I I have to believe that the Demarius or his agent, you know isn't buying the, the offer that the Broncos are giving. And so there's pushback. The Broncos, you know, like we historically, when Ryan Clady was, was franchise tagged a couple of years ago, they ended up signing his long-term deal on July 14th, you know, hours before the deadline. So I, I wouldn't think that it's impossible for that to happen. And I would hope that's true. The, the coaches have 
have gone on record saying they believe there's going to be a deal. Um, but there hasn't been any word out of Demarius Thomas's, you know, camp that, mm-hmm. that he, that there is. He said, of course, like a lot of them do, he'd take the hometown discount to play in Denver. <laughs> but, you know, that's him talking, not his agent. I'm sure his agent pulled him aside after that and said, hey, listen, you will take no discounts. Yes. <laughs> we will. We, you are the top wide receiver in the country. You should be paid $20 million a year. We will not be settling for a hometown discount. So my personal opinion, and I've, I've I actually, you know, I've kind of, I haven't been too vocal, but I've definitely been vocal on our site. I I feel like whatever is going on background, I wish Demarius Thomas was at practice. I this whole holdout thing I think is gonna hurt him. Um when you have a new offense, new coaches. Um and so I wish I wish the Broncos would get it done. But I like the fact that from what it sounds like, John Elway is not gonna just pay his wide receiver a ton of money just because the market might bear it, you know, just because the wide receiver, um, the top wide receivers are making, you know, a ton of money. John Elway is not going to say, well, we'd really, we really want to keep Demarius Thomas. And even though I don't think it's great to pay him this much money, we're going to, cause I don't want to lose him. I think he sees the big picture that everybody's replaceable. <laughs> I mean, there's another DT out there somewhere. Um, yeah. And I don't, I don't want to give him up. I hope he, I hope they figure it out, and I hope he comes back because he's, he's great with Peyton Manning. Peyton Manning certainly feels comfortable with him. That's a, you know, that's a big deal. That chemistry is a big deal, and I, um, I think we wouldn't be as good without him, and I think he won't be as good without us. But at the same time, that doesn't mean you sign a check for twenty million dollars just for that because that can be overcome. Right. So. He's franchise, so you can pretty much bank on him being there at least for this season. Right, um, and I don't, I, don't, I don't think he would hold out, you know. Right, but, right. But so because, could, I guess. <laughs> yeah, I mean, even if uh, he doesn't show up until training camp or anything like that, I don't think um, he's foolish enough to walk away from, I think it's like $14 million guaranteed money to uh, to have, to be a franchise player, whatever the, it's, 12, it's like the it's average of the top five or something like that. Yeah, it's twelve point four million there you is go. the franchise. 4. 4. But you know, that's 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 not chunk change. So <laughs> you know, I, the way I would look at it again, and I like I would have with Julius if I were Julius Thomas, is you know, twelve million dollars is a great salary this year. It, you know that it, you know. 13, 12 to 15 million over, you know, four years or five years, whatever he's looking for, is a, is a really good deal when you're, you know, to stay at the Broncos. If you want to go play at the Detroit Lions and make 20 million a year, go ahead. Yeah. <laughs> Hope you enjoy that 20 million while you're in Detroit because that can't be fun. Right. Um, no. Most years it's not. No, it's not. <laughs> so, you know, I, I I think agents honestly ruin this whole process most of the time. I, I think players don't always get the best advice or the, you know, or just circumstances make it hard to kind of to have the big picture. And some of them some of them get it, but like Chris Harris Jr., who probably definitely got paid less than he could have if he shopped around, but he wanted to stay with the Broncos and so his deal was was exactly what he wanted. 
Right. You know, so there are some guys that actually do walk the walk the talk. That's right. You know, like I'm gonna right. I'm gonna take a pay cut and stay here and then the time comes it's like, yeah, well I, I did I said I was gonna take less money because I wanna stay here in Denver, you know, whether it be because my family loves it in Colorado or because I just really enjoy winning seventy five percent of the games that we play in uh, as opposed to going to Jacksonville where they lose seventy five percent of the games <laughs> they play in. So um, it's always interesting to see those decisions get made yeah. and the motivation. And if uh, I'm a wide receiver or if I were a tight end, you know, my quarterback is a big deal. It's a big deal to, to have a, you know, the people around you that you need to be good. It's, it's one thing to be, um, you know, to go somewhere as a pass rusher, I think, but to, as a wide receiver, you, I don't think I think Demarius Thomas is a great wide receiver, but he could go to half the teams in the NFL and not be nearly as good because he's not going to have a quarterback that can make him be as good. Right. And I don't think Peyton Manning made DT great, but Peyton Manning has certainly allowed DT to thrive and show off his skill that he wouldn't necessarily be able to do at any other team. Right. Exactly. And you know, speaking of Peyton. I, um, yeah, let's talk about Peyton. Let's talk about Peyton um, <laughs> because for for many years, my best friend he's a, he's a Indianapolis Colts fan. Uh, he's a season ticket holder. All right. Uh, for the Colts, so I've I've actually been out to Lucas Oil uh, several times to see them uh, play. And thanks to the fact that the Bears apparently it's a, a law in Illinois, the Bears can't play past December. So. <laughs> In the month of uh, January and beyond. Uh, when did that end? In the 80s? 87? Uh, 92, after okay. they let Ditka go. That's when it was it was put into Illinois law <laughs> that the Bears were not allowed to play in the postseason. Um, you know, it's only happened since 92, maybe four or five times the Bears have been to the playoffs. Yeah. Oh, Lord help me. But, you know, <laughs> I digress. Yeah. Um, because the Bears were never in the playoffs, um, the 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 Colts be kind of, kind of became my postseason ah, team, oh, yeah. and always watching the Colts, and I just I enjoy watching Peyton Manning. So play there's two times this football. season that we're going to be at odds, isn't there? Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. But um, you know, it's um, but I, I'm still a huge Peyton Manning fan, and I will argue at the top of my lungs until the day that I die that he is a better quarterback than Tom Brady. Oh, right. Uh, and you, we can and, be best friends. I don't even care about those other two. Yeah, it's the, if, if I could argue forever that he's the best quarterback <laughs> that's ever played. And, you know, of course, people are going to throw the championships in your face. And that's, ah. you know, that's an argument you'll lose every time. Right. But as but far as, you know, right back at him every well, time. Well, <laughs> you know, there's that. And, uh, you know, spy gate and every other. Yeah. Gate. <laughs> you know, Peyton Manning's never been caught doing something stupid like that. Right. So, right. Um, you know, I contend that that Peyton Manning is the best quarterback that's ever played. So, um, you know, I do have a, a horse in the race, no pun intended, when it comes <laughs> to watching when it comes to watching Peyton play. I want to see him win another championship yeah. so that those discussions can stop. He did win more than one. Right. Right. So but last year was a tough year because yeah. he was playing hurt for most of the season, even though. You know, it was kind of obvious that something wasn't right, even though the Broncos never really came out and said Peyton's playing hurt. Yeah, yeah. It was all very fuzzy, too. Even 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 after they came out that he was hurt, and it was, you know, the quad muscle. And, you know, I, to me, that injury is certainly 
a serious one. I mean, it will, it will definitely hurt your play. And clearly as a quarterback and one who's not particularly mobile to begin with, that's right. going to hamper your ability to, to do any scrambling whatsoever um, or, to, or to have a good, you know, have good solid footing when you're making a, a, an important throw, particularly a longer pass. But um, I, I think for, it was a combination. I, I think it was the injury and it was, it was kind of changing up both the offensive line, but also the switch to the run game. Some point in the offseason, Peyton Manning made a comment that didn't, didn't get a lot of headlines, but he just made a comment about, you know, sort of being uncomfortable. And I think it was, you know, he didn't, he didn't have, even though it was great and everybody, I know all our fans were excited about a balanced offense, you know, having the run attack and having CJ Anderson become a bigger part of the offense mid mid season. And, you know, we finally had a running game and on our website and across all Broncos, you know, related media, people were, you know, excited that we would have this balanced attack. But I didn't think about it. And I don't think most people thought about for somebody particularly like Peyton Manning, who's such a studious quarterback doing that mid season, he didn't have the chance to really get comfortable with running that kind of offense. Um, yeah. So for all the criticism we gave him for not, you know, for all the checks he makes at the line and all the things he does that people had figured out, we also didn't give him the chance to kind of, to, to be familiar with something that's not his bread and butter. And, and I think that showed he, he hurried, you know, he just wasn't, he just couldn't run it and he hurried and he made bad decisions much more often. And you can look at it those last eight weeks or so. Um, and so I have to think, my personal opinion is that was probably even a bigger pro- bigger reason for the decline and the injury just made it that much harder to, right. to really do. But I would never, I'm not, I'm not comfortable saying, you know, he's not injured anymore, so Peyton Manning's going to be great. <laughs> I think, you know, there's no doubt, and I've defended him over and over on our website that age, I, the whole age thing drives me crazy because Peyton Manning was old when we brought him in right so i don't i'm not i'm not too hip on that whole argument anyway i i i see it but i just don't i just don't think it's the main thing but you do have to be smart and you don't just you don't just change things with a quarterback like peyton manning because he's so cerebral he's got to think it through and got to figure it out and so i'm hopeful that this season because he has a whole off season to figure out a new offense and he's kind of jazzed about having sort of a new challenge but he has the time to really work on it that, you know, that, that we'll see, we'll see a, you know, a solid Peyton Manning, even if, you know, I think it's unlikely we'll see a 2013 Peyton Manning again. Well, that would be something. But I would love it. Pull that off. <laughs> I'll yeah. be cheering for it. That's for sure. 2013, of course, being the year that he broke the, well, broke all the records. He threw 55 yeah. touchdown passes and set the single season record for yardage and yardage in a season. And, yeah. Yeah. And he was, you know, insane. he was it was like Elway that year. I mean, he carried our offense so much. Um and then we just met a defense in the Super Bowl that that he couldn't handle by himself, you know, or not, you know. Yeah. I was um, you know, I was I mean, obviously you were disappointed in the <laughs> results of that game. Oh. But I was I was disappointed number 1 because I am a huge Peyton Manning fan that right. that he didn't win that game and that number 2 that it wasn't a more you know, you were yeah the number one defense against the number one offense, so you figured that there would be a 
more of a like a, a, more of a stalemate. Yeah. In, in there, yeah. as opposed to you know just just something. It became more of a something had to give kind of yeah. situation in that game, and what gave unfortunately was that the Seahawks were just too much, and the Broncos gave in to them and kind of got steamrolled uh, in that Super Bowl, and that was. That was upsetting to yeah. to see see it happen for especially like I said as a Peyton Manning fan to watch it go down that way exactly uh, I mean, because his his brother is not nearly as talented as he is but he's got two rings and I Peyton's, know. Peyton's only got the one I know and it's I that's the thing kind of about Peyton Manning that people want that guy to win you know nobody yeah. really wants to see Peyton Manning lose or other than the opponent but even the opponent probably I bet Seahawks fans many of them the, the smart ones the old ones, where, you know, we're hoping for a better game too, and we're hoping Peyton Manning put up a good fight because you just—he's just such a—he's just such a good guy, <laughs> and yeah. such a and such a great quarterback. I mean, really, that that year his numbers were phenomenal, mm-hmm. and so you, what happened in the Super Bowl was completely unexpected. And then last year, it se- you know the first couple games seemed like he was right on pace for that same kind of performance. Um, with you know some great, great passing yards, you know, he broke the touchdown record and then kept going. You know, kept scoring like that, and it all seemed good until it all went bad. Right, and it was it all kind of started with that St. Louis game. Yes, um, where the the Rams and that young defense of theirs just kind of they just you know put it, it to the Broncos. Yeah, yeah, it was, yeah. It was, uh, it was bad in that uh, twenty-two to seven or something was the final score mm-hmm. uh, of that game. And that's kind of seemed like the turning point as far as where people started to kind of see the the kink in the armor of Peyton Manning um, last year. Right. And uh, it kind of, you know, even though the Broncos, I think, won like six out of seven after that game, that's where the that's where the story kind of began with with Peyton mm-hmm. not being Peyton towards the end of the season or, you know, well, is, is he you know, is he is this the beginning of the end for Peyton Manning and so on and so forth? <laughs> Before it finally came out that he's been playing hurt. Right. The uh, media is so know. dramatic, though. You know? They are. <laughs> they really are. I have to. Can you imagine being Peyton Manning? I can't. I don't know how the guy goes in front of the media. He goes in front of the media almost every day during you know off-season workouts and training camp. Mm-hmm. Um, or, I mean, during the season, not but during training camp. and all. He, he is always one of the ones they, they put in front a couple times a week. And I just... I feel so bad for the some of the stupid questions he has to answer, some of the, you know, all the crap he has to put up with. Like, you know, this past week, the story about trade rumors with Houston. Like, yeah. You know, so, you know, luckily, I'm sure he doesn't pay much attention to that. But that, it was true. That game, what happened with that game was a, this big reminder that we have no running game. So then we switched, which everyone was happy about. But I, I think that ruined Peyton Manning's rhythm. And... That combined with being hurt, just you know, it, it just made it impossible to really get kind of some momentum and make it in, you know, keep it going through the playoffs. Right, and then the problems with the offensive line, <laughs> which um, have not gotten any better, by the right. way. Right, Ryan Ryan Clady <laughs> was still recovering from the injury he suffered the year before. Yeah, uh, that Linz Frank injury, which which always has that long recovery time. Yeah. Um, you know, Louis Vasquez was kind of bouncing around the line from one position uh, to another. You spent two of your first four picks on offensive linemen um, this year, so you're bringing some new blood in. 
uh, to that offensive line, and hopefully yeah. they can uh, but, but they can pull it together. Rookies, we're putting rookies on the line possibly this year. I mean, I I would say my biggest concern for the Broncos this year is the offensive line, mm-hmm. partly because it's the biggest question mark. You know, I don't I don't think there's any you know the there's some question a few questions on defense just related to injuries and guys coming back, but um, on offense. You know, we know what we have with our running backs, and we know what we have with our wide receivers, and we, we do know what we have with our quarterback, but all of that is going to depend on an offensive line that, you know, is not Swiss cheese-like, which it was last right. year. So, uh, and since we, we lost Clady to, to ACL injury early on, and we, you know, traded Orlando Franklin and um, Manny Ramirez and Will Montgomery, the only guy we have left the only true sort of experienced veteran is Vasquez. And luckily we're putting him back in his position of strength, but um, Chris Clark may come in, you know, he, he had started, but then was benched last year. So he's a bit of a, you know, still kind of a question mark. And then the rest are basically rookies or second year guys <laughs> fighting for a starting position. So um, if I'm Peyton Manning, I think I'd be a little worried, but maybe maybe he's able to deal with it better than I would be. Yeah, he seems like he can handle just about anything better than most people can, actually. Wouldn't you love, with people like with Peyton Manning, you know, you'd love to kind of be in his, at his dinner table one night and have him come home and go, God, that offensive line is going to get me killed. <laughs> I wonder who he talks to. Just nobody really kind of thinks. Stuff. I you bet know, his dad. I'm sure yeah. his dad. It, there has to be somebody because he's he is a human being, so he does have to let that out somewhere. And right. maybe it is Archie Manning, his dad, that uh, that yeah. he is letting all that stuff out with because it's he's he seems like he's he's got it so together that there have to be those moments where he just loses it just so he can actually do that and yeah. be functional in front of the cameras. Right. So. Yeah, especially for a guy like him, you know, he is the the face of the franchise in Denver. You know, he's a god in Indianapolis. Yeah, I know. Um, even still, I know. And I know. Did you see? Even, I'm sure you saw the story about the yesterday, or I mean, it, the grandmother who wrote to Peyton Manning after her son, who's an Indianapolis Colts fan, died in a car crash, and he yes. sent her a picture. I mean. The, just the fact that, like, that kid, is, a teenager still liked him, even though, you know, he couldn't have been a fan too long of the Colts when right. Peyton was there. He has yeah. an effect on people. He does, indeed. And he's a fantastic player. And I, I know. Just, and I, but I, I have to think he's got to go crazy sometimes. So I would think his, yeah. he calls his dad and says, God, why can't my receivers just show up for camp? <laughs> why, right. can't, why can't I have an offensive line that's got some experience? Come on, Dad, why, why? And his dad's going to say, Son, I played for the Saints for years. <laughs> uh, and after that, I went to the Oilers. So, so I got nothing for you. Yeah, they managed to be worse even than the Saints were at the time. So it's, uh, I don't want to hear you bitching about going twelve and four. Right, right, and having a Super Bowl ring. I mean, his, you know, his dad, one of the greatest quarterbacks, has, you know, almost no hardware to speak of for his, for all his talent. He never had a winning season in his I entire know. career. I know. Yeah, hard to believe. But, um, you know, so since we're kind of working our way backwards here, we went defense, then offense. So we'll talk about this new head coach of yours yeah. real quick. And I really only have one big question for, 
for Kubiak. I mean, with the standard. I mean, this is why John Fox isn't the head coach anymore. Uh, you know, he won like what forty games in the last three seasons after oh, that yeah. eight and eight uh, eight and eight start. Uh, he won the AFC Championship. I mean, yes. the AFC West every single year. Uh, yep. I mean, it, looking at his resume, John Fox was awesome, right? I mean, yes. so <laughs> but. Because he couldn't get over that hump, because they they were one and done in the playoffs against the Colts in that first round, that divisional round this season. John Co- John Fox is now coaching my team in Chicago <laughs> and not trying to get the Broncos back and win a fifth straight AFC West championship. Right. Does Kubiak really understand the expectations that he's walking himself into? Oh, I'm sure he does. Um, I'm sure he knows. I mean, I he I honestly didn't quite realize what how he and Elway have been such close friends for so long. I mean, ever since they were teammates, really. Yeah. Oh, yeah. But, yeah. but even more since um, Kubiak was his, co- his offensive coordinator, you know, for mm-hmm. his Super Bowl wins. So um, if there is anybody who understands John Elway's competitive nature as well as his kind of cutthroat style, I'm sure it's Kubiak. And that's a... That that's got to be a precarious agreement, you know, to decide to be to be the head coach under a guy who you know has high expectations, who's also your friend, but you know is is going to fire you if you don't win. <laughs> so, um, I think- but also, you know, walking into a fan base that you know, forgive me for saying, is absolutely spoiled at the moment. <laughs> You know, you had 12 wins, 13 wins, and then 12 wins again, you know, and that's what you guys are expecting to see when, Mm -hmm. when you, when you got out, when the, when the schedule comes out, it's like, well, we'll win at least four or five games in the AFC West at the worst, then we'll, we'll, we'll scatter about winning this game or that one. And of course we'll win seven or seven or six or seven out of eight at home. And then, you know, we'll win this many on the road and then we'll be in the playoffs and and win the division. And then we'll see what happens after that. But you're not bitter, are you? No, 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 because that used to be my team that we used to we used to do stuff like that. That was a very long time ago. But, uh, you know, yeah, it hasn't happened as often as I would have liked. But, you know. Yeah. Hopefully that's changing because we got your guy who who does that kind of thing. So well, I think, we'll yeah, I think what happened with the Broncos and John Fox was, in a way, what John Fox, what we needed him for, he absolutely did. And what you need him for, he will do. And, yeah. and maybe beyond that, I mean, hopefully, he, he wasn't able to do that, or at least to John Elway's liking um, here. But, you know, John Fox is... Is, is a damn good coach. Uh, what we needed him for was to, to fix that freaking locker room after McDaniels, and that's exactly what he did. And he, he put stability and camaraderie as well as, you know, you know some work ethic in there. Um, but he, you know, what, what the Broncos truly needed back in 2011, whatever it was, a coach that could stabilize and get the team on the right track because the team had talent then too. Um, and so then, you know, then he was able to build on that and keep going. What I think, you know, he, basically his, you know, John Elway needed more, more, you know, whether John Fox has it or not, I think, you know, his personality isn't quite as, doesn't seem to be as fiery and 
aggressive, I think, as maybe um, John Elway wants. Um, I don't know if Kubiak is exactly like that, but but Kubiak and Elway know each other so well, I think John Elway feels very confident with what with what Kubiak can bring. Plus, Kubiak just, he's Denver. You know I mean? He, he's going to have the... He's going to have the fan base going for him. He's going to have, you know, play the, the executive office all behind him, and he's going to have players who kind of who get what that all means. So, so I think, you know, in some ways Kubiak's such a good choice because he can walk into the situation we had and, and, and get a buy-in from everybody. Right, right. Um, you know, maybe he can be the uh... – the Gruden to uh, John Fox's Tony Dungy, whereas you know Dungy or did all those great things in Tampa Bay. He took them from the cellar to the top, yeah. and got them in the playoffs, but couldn't get him to a championship. Bring in John Gruden, they win the Super Bowl. So maybe uh, maybe Gary Kubiak will be the John Gruden to John Fox's Tony Dungy, you know, kind of thing. And yeah, yeah, get and you guys I think over the hump. I I haven't paid much attention to the to the Bears this offseason, but just. You know, just I I bet like for Jay Cutler, John Fox is probably one of the best coaches he could have. You know, come in and and set him straight would be my. I don't know how that's going, but um, you know, John Fox just has a way of kind of calming people down, keeping people on the the right page. He has. I do. I want to. I want to hear from you in six months and find out what you think of his press conferences because he has some <laughs> doozies of uh of phrases that he comes up with. Well, I watched his his initial press conference, which made headlines in Chicago, not just because we were announcing a new head coach Mm -hmm. and not just because it was a guy of John Fox's caliber. He's the first guy that we've hired since George Hallis himself that was actually a head coach somewhere else before he came to Chicago. Ah, So he's breaking new ground uh, (laughs) in in Chicago. Uh, He also made headlines because Jay Cutler was apparently Jake. Cutler, J-A-K-E. He called him Jake several times throughout the press conference. I'm sitting here watching it on my TV. It's like, is he saying Jake? He's got it. And I just imagine the entire press press room. It's like, he's saying, he's calling him Jake, dude. He doesn't even know his he's, quarterback. He's really calling him Jake. It's like his name is not Jake. So, yeah, he was making, he, it's like, you know, like, all right, John, that's not the impression we were hoping you were going right. to make, but. He had yeah. my favorite, and I, I, I should have looked it up before I got on here, but he he was trying to say, this is last year, how, you know, he was proud of guys who, or the guys he liked to have on the team are the guys who have a lot of heart and, you know, are going to give it their all. And so the way he says it, and it's funny because I didn't see it. I got the transcript. So reading it was even worse, I think. But, you know, <laughs> but he, you know when you read it, he said, you know, what I like is a lot of guys with, with something right here, and that's that thing to you know below your left nipple. <laughs> what the hell did you just say? Oh, no. <laughs> and then I think he might have said to follow up, you know, guys with a lot of heart. Actually, he didn't say that. I know he didn't because I remember, you know, in the email thread that we got, you know, I was responding. I'm like, did you guys read that first quote? <laughs> like, I still want to put that in my story, but I just don't think I can do it with a straight face <laughs> because it's so ridiculous. Oh, that's awful. 
You know, it had to be pretty bad if if everyone in the press room was like, "Nipple, that's two P's, right?" That's, 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 that's right. Know, that's right. Like, did he? It's did like I don't. Nipple? Is he talking about the heart, or is he talking about the guy's nipple? Because I'm not really like, that's sure. that's weird. Why would he talk about that? I don't understand what's going on here. Who says nipple? Like, I couldn't even. I if I were the Denver PR guys, I would have. I would have like turned the mic off right there, like, and that was his first comment. So I was like, "Oh my god, this can't go. This cannot go well." Oh man, that's that's un that's remarkable. <laughs> well, I mean, you know, I am very much looking I'm forward hope for some John Foxisms out of Chicago. Yeah. So, well, I mean, anything John Fox does will be better than anything Tressman did because that was the first time as a Bear fan that it was apparent to me that the inmates are running the asylum in that one. <laughs> Because this this was, I mean, and that's why John Fox is perfect for us, because like you said, he'll bring stability to the locker room and everything that I'm hearing from the players is tantamount to that. They, they are thrilled with John Fox and how he's conducting things in the locker room, which is the exact opposite of what we've been hearing for the last two years uh, under Tressman. It was an absolute disaster. Which is exactly why Fox yeah. is a great coach to bring in. I mean, that's exactly what the Broncos needed. He did that. He'll, I'm sure he'll do that for the Bears. And, you know, hopefully he'll, you know, he'll have the success sort of that he had with the Panthers, you know, go, go to the Super Bowl. Um, that would be nice. to see a Broncos-Bears Super Bowl. Um, well. <laughs> but, but even if he, even if he doesn't, I mean, he's a, he's a quality coach. There's, you know, we didn't get rid of him because he's a bad coach. We got rid of him because he wasn't. He was no longer the right coach that that we were going to need. That John Elway was going to need, um, and it was. It seemed pretty clear he understood that. I mean, I think half of our coaches. I mean, before Gase ended up going to Chicago, I mean, he was looking to be a head coach at lots of places. They're all yes. they're all doing interviews yeah. for three weeks before the playoffs. So yeah, he uh, was he was almost the San Francisco head coach. Which, isn't that uh, weird? I, that is weird that he was not. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah. anyway, that's that's a whole other topic. I don't know yes. much about it, but the fact that you know who they who San Francisco picked seemed pretty odd compared to I think what they would have had with Gase. Yeah, I had a few things to say about that. Uh, <laughs> the the episode that I did before this one was the NFC West, and I did talk about that with because basically what it boiled down to was Adam. It was either on the about the offense or the defense. Something that Adam Gase did not agree to how the 49ers wanted to do it and that's how it came down to whether or not he was going to take the job or whether he wasn't which is kind of a sore spot for bear fans because that's why we didn't hire bruce arians as our head coach he was he was going to come in and the bears wanted him to keep rod marinelli as the defensive coordinator and leave the defense as it was and arians wanted to come in and bring in his own people and run the defense his way because they couldn't come to agreement on that we went ahead and took our second choice in Mark Tressman, and we know how that all worked out. Yeah. So, oh. um, it was that was basically what happened with Adam Gase. There was something that the 49ers wanted to keep or do a certain way. Gase disagreed, so they went ahead and hired the company man, Tom Sula, who had basically been an assistant with them for the last three coaching staffs. So that he was team, with I yeah. I'm curious what you said on that podcast because. That team just unraveled in the offseason. Yeah. Um, um, when I talked to Jess They're going to be the Roots, bottom of the NFC West, aren't they? <laughs> yeah. Well, I think so. I do. <laughs> I do. Uh, when I, I do talked too. to 
when I talked to Jess Root from Revenge of the Birds uh, for the Cardinals, yeah. uh, the the term that he used was dumpster fire. <laughs> That's a good one. <laughs> yeah, it's so dumpster fire. <laughs> that is, uh, you know, because if they weren't retiring, they were running out of there like rats off a sinking ship. So, um, you know, San Francisco is not a free agent destination this uh, off season for sure. So. Um, Anyway, yeah, yeah, that's uh, the mess that they have uh, going on out there. So, well, Lori, I uh, I think we've kind of overdone it a little bit here, you and I. <laughs> um, but you know, it's I've, I've had a great time think, uh, the, with you. The FBIA guys, I think I think we t- I talked to them for two hours or something. <laughs> I oh wow! I and yeah, well, and and I laughed half the time because yeah. two of them that, you that, did that was, those guys are some jokers man, like they I were swear. they talked among themselves quite a bit and I just laughed at whatever they were talking about <laughs> <laughs> but um but I you know it's it's fun to get on and you know talk to like talk to you and like talk to people who don't pay as much attention to the Broncos as as I do or as Broncos right. do so I appreciate right. the the invitation hopefully well, there's something useful pleasure. in there <laughs> yeah th- there's plenty of good stuff uh in there uh our teams do play each other this is why we're having you on the show here uh we get together week 11 i believe it is yeah november 22nd in chicago i know and what i would like good to do weather for us on that day uh, we'll see. We'll see. Now, it, it, it actually, the, the weather might not be as big a factor as the actual condition of the turf itself. Really? So, oh, you don't know about Soldier Field? Well, I mean, in general or this year? Is there something? No, no, no. Well, they, we have the worst grounds crew yeah. in the history of the NFL. So, um, you know, if if the field is manageable at all, uh, that would be a great. Uh, or if it's been resided for the fifth time in the season. Yeah. When you guys come to town, because uh, that will let's be the one, two, three, four. That will be the fifth home game of the season, so it very well could be recited for the fourth or fifth time by the time the Broncos come to town uh, just before Thanksgiving. So um, what I would uh, like to do, and hopefully our schedules can uh, meet up, is to have you on the week of the game. Oh, I'd love to. Uh, that would be fun. Because nope. I always, during the season, I do two episodes a week. I do the the preview episode before the game, the review episode afterwards. Yeah. So have you on before the game and uh, compare notes to see where our teams are at uh, <laughs> when uh, when they come along. Ah, to, absolutely. To see whether or not John Fox's recent um, residency in the AFC West will be an advantage to us at all yeah. as we face the AFC West in his first year as a, as a head coach. Interesting. <laughs> it is. It is very interesting. Oh, those so, NFL schedulers. Indeed. There's... And, Stuck and there. yeah, the the um, schedule makers were not kind to us at all. Oh, not to us either. But this year, I think is better than last year. When's your bye week? Uh, it's week six this year. That's not that. We had week four last year, which I'm sorry, sucked. week seven. Week seven. My yes, it's ours. So. Week seven too. Week seven. Um, but what's what's terrible is uh, John Fox's first game as head coach of the Bears is at home against the, the Packers. Packers. <laughs> it is. I just guessed, but yeah, that's a... It's like, you know, this couldn't be something we built up to as the season went along, as we prepare and get our ducks in a row and, and get find out who our team is before yeah. we take on the Packers. Just think, like, you know, if it goes well, because, you know, the, the Packers will have a little rustiness to get over to. 
Sure, sure. Is it at home or is it at the Packers? Oh, it's in Chicago. It's at home oh, well, because we get to, we get to play Green Bay, Green Bay in Lambeau on Thanksgiving night. That's the big national TV game yeah, that night. Okay. Is, That's uh, good. I'm always is, happy uh, when there's a good when Thanksgiving games are good. Well, I, I hope it actually means something at that point of the year. That would be nice uh, right. for us, anyway. <laughs> but we back up uh, Green Bay with Arizona, and Whoa. then we go to both those games are in Chicago, so we have somewhat of an advantage there as far as being at home. Then we uh-huh. get to go to Seattle that week after that. Nice. So. When the nice. schedule came out, I'm sitting here I'm looking at it. I'm a huge like, Bears fan. Huge yeah. Bears fan this year until until November 22nd. <laughs> right. But it was like I'm looking at the schedule. It's like Green Bay, Arizona, Seattle. Well, that's 0-3. Great. <laughs> See, this is what's wrong with Bears. This is what's great about Broncos fans. It's, we're delusional. We'd look at that and go 3-0. Ah. Definitely 3-0. You, know, well, you know, last year we had Seattle third game. And, you know, we're like, you know, honestly, I'm not even worried about Seattle. We're going to we're going to go in there and stomp on them, which we didn't. But we played well and, you know, almost had an amazing took them to overtime. So, yeah. So people oh. were excited and like felt good. Actually, it was not a it was not a crushing loss. Whereas after Kansas City, our second game, when we barely won, people were pissed, pissed because we didn't win big. <laughs> Jeez, you guys. Come on. Broncos never win big. That's not our style. We well, win at the last. By the skin of our teeth. Come on, that's with how we bears, do it. With the Bears and most Bear fans that I know, there's <laughs> there's two parts to every to the schedule every year. It's can they win and will they win? Right. It's like can they win eleven games? Yes, absolutely. They can beat the. You know, look here. They got this team at home, and you know these games are on the road. Those are pretty simple games on the road. Blah blah. blah. Will they win? You know, the defense and Cutler and throwing interceptions and, you know, things and so on and so forth. That's Cutler just, what it's Cutler's been. Cutler's a good quarterback. He has just got to get his head on straight. He really, I mean, really is. So if he, and hopefully what he needs to do is rise to the challenge as opposed to being a baby, which is what he has been for however many years he's been in the NFL. Um, but he's got 10, talent. Probably. I even still have my husband has a Jay Cutler T-shirt or you know jersey. So oh wow! <laughs> like I wish he would, yeah, you know, because I think the the year we started six and zero and we were doing so great, you know, never was like Cutler's the man, <laughs> and then and then it went downhill quick. So yeah, I think my favorite Jay Cutler moment ever has nothing to do with football. It was actually an episode of South Park. Yeah. Uh, where Stan or something was at some big Hollywood party or some big party, and Jay Cutler was there, <laughs> and my Stan's like, "Hey, my dad says you you kind of suck, but you're also good or something." He's like, "Hey, thanks, appreciate that," you know. So, so it's like I didn't see that episode until we had actually already traded for Jay Cutler, but he's sitting there in South Park wearing the Broncos uniform. My yeah. dad says you kind of suck, but you're but you're still but you're okay or something like yeah. that. It was yeah, like this backhanded compliment that they gave Jay Cutler on South yeah. Park. Yeah, they did. So. Those guys, you know, because they're all from Boulder. They're they did so they have some great jet, funny things that are so true about Broncos and Broncos fans. <laughs> like, so it's good stuff. So. Okay, one last thing I want to ask you before we go. All right. Is, um, you are in South Carolina, correct? Right. So how do you go about watching the Broncos out oh, there? Oh, 
Man, do you have the Sunday ticket or is it a weekly exodus to the sports bar? How do you get it done out I've there? I've done it all always. I've I've had Sunday ticket. I've um I tried I tried the um <clears throat> possibly illegal streaming of live <laughs> but that that's not that doesn't work. So Sunday ticket's the only way to go because everything right. else is too unreliable. Sports bars the thing about sports bars, if you're not in your town or you're not in a place that's got kind of a big fan base for your team, it really mm-hmm. sucks to watch a game that way because you either have too many people yelling at you or you can't hear or sometimes you know, you're know you one person. Like when I go to sports bars here, they all want to watch the Falcons or the Panthers um, or you know those games are usually the early game. So the, the late game when the Broncos are usually on, you know they want to watch the Steelers and the Oh, I, you know, teams I can't stand, or the Patriots. Oh my God, the Patriot fans—they're everywhere. So, I've given up on sports bars outside of Denver. <laughs> it's just <Nice>. no fun. <laughs> yeah, and Patriot fans—they're only everywhere now. If the Patriots return to their '90s form, like what they were in the yeah. early '90s when they were one in fifteen, yeah, every year, you won't. Yeah, it will be a lot harder to find Patriot fans all yeah. of a sudden. Yeah. So, I know they're like, they're pretty fair weather. It's just they've had so many good years that they they seem like a pretty strong base. But right, because when I was when I was growing up, finding a Packer fan was like finding Bigfoot. <laughs> you know, they you didn't think that they you, you didn't you kind of knew where they were where you would find them, but you right. never did kind of thing. You're and right. then all of a sudden, Brett Favre appears, and you're seeing Packer fans everywhere all of a sudden. So. It's uh, just one of those things. So I, I think that the Patriots are kind of that way now. When when Brady retires and Bilicek walks away, it's all going to go downhill. And then all of a sudden, Patriot jerseys will be a lot harder to find out there in the general population. Right, so. right. Steelers fans are still everywhere. And that's, you know, I, I get it, sort of. But <laughs> like, Well, that's they're, they're a loyal fan base through and through. So that's one are. of those things. They're going to be everywhere no matter what. Yeah. kind of thing but uh patriot fans I, I very much feel like once this all ends for the new england patriots that you won't be able to find them everywhere like you are now. yeah so. i think you're right definitely all right so Lori, thanks again yeah. uh for being on the show we'll uh we'll try and get you back uh the week of the the bears and the broncos uh before uh before the 22nd of november and like i said We'll compare notes uh, then. So uh, thanks so much uh, for being on the show, and we'll talk to you soon. Thank you, and good luck. See you in November. You too. Thank you. All right. Bye. Bye. Lori Lattimore-Volkman from... uh, milehighreport.com on SB Nation and uh, it's actually Dr. Lattimore uh, Volkman she has a uh, PhD uh, in her chosen field and uh, you know I didn't uh, get a chance to mention that on the uh, on the show but nonetheless uh, she is so uh, you know lots of fun we had a great time talking to her we definitely hope to have her back uh, on the show in November uh, when the Bears and the Broncos play just before Thanksgiving. Um, and uh, hopefully it will be a, uh, you know, uh, 
a seven and three Bears team or something like that that's taking on her her Broncos, who will, will most likely be ruling the AFC West at that point, closing in on home field advantage or something uh, in the AFC. So uh, hopefully it'll be a game that that both of us are looking forward to, as opposed to just waiting for the Broncos to come in and get it over with, uh, kind of thing. So. Um, you know, had a wonderful time talking with her. Uh, like I said before, I got talks lined up with with all three teams uh, from the NFC North. Uh, Evan Western uh, from Acme Packing uh, Company or CO actually actually Packing CO dot com uh, on SB Nation. Uh, Jeremy Reisner from Pride of Detroit dot com for the Lions and uh, Chris Gates uh, from the Daily Norseman. Uh, for the Vikings so looking forward to talking to those guys and all three of those shows will or excuse me all three of those conversations will have their own show dedicated so we're going to go in depth with all three of the NFC North teams won't be touching upon uh, the other teams in one show like we did here uh, with Lori so um, those are coming uh, next week and probably the week after because like I said I'm going to try to spread them out give you know two three days in between the uh episodes uh because i got the guys pretty much on consecutive days well i got um talking to evan on today on monday and uh then i've got uh, De- uh jeremy on wednesday uh, wednesday chris on wednesday jeremy on thursday so by Thursday, I will have all three of those uh, interviews in the can. But, uh, you know, I'm talking to Evan t- tonight, actually, uh, on Monday night. That show probably won't come out till Wednesday or Thursday. And then I'm talking to the other guys on Wednesday and Thursdays. Those shows will probably come out over the weekend and early the following week. So just to give you a, a an indicator of um, how those shows are going to go down so and one other thing i wanted to ask you guys you gave me great feedback when i asked you if you thought i was on the right track with these uh with these interviews and having guests and such on the show do i do you guys want me to bring somebody in for the bears or because you know the the reason that i'm that i'm bringing in these 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 people to talk about these teams is because you know, as as I remember saying to Lori in an email uh, when I was talking to her about what I wanted to do on the show, why I wanted to have her on was, you know, wanted to have like minded people on the show, you know, basically saying you've got it bad for your team like I've got it bad for mine. Those are the people that I want to have on my show. And since that's obviously not going to be a problem for me while I'm talking about the Bears do you you think that I should just fly solo on that one, or would you like to hear another you know alternative uh, voice about even even though it's about the Bears to bring them in and uh, talk about it? Uh, so just uh, you know, let me know what you guys think about that. Should I bring somebody in to talk about the uh, uh, reach out to someone to talk about the Bears, or is that one that I can just do on my own and you guys are good with that? So just let me know uh, what you guys think. Hit me up on Facebook. Uh, just search Chicago Bears Review on the Facebook, and uh, that'll take you right there uh, to our page. Or you can do uh, hit me up on Twitter, Shy Bears Review, C H I Bears Review, uh, on Twitter to uh, to catch me there. So that is uh, going to do it uh, for this episode, the AFC West preview episode of the Chicago Bears Review. Just want to thank Lori Lattimore Volkman once again for uh, being on the show and hoping that we can. Uh, get together again and talk about uh, 
well, everything under the sun, because I actually had to cut about <laughs> 10 minutes of our conversation out of the show because we got off on a tangent talking about the Bulls and Fred Hoiberg being the new coach of the Bulls because she actually went to Iowa State where Fred Hoiberg was the head coach before the Bulls lured him away and, and talking about all that kind of fun. So uh, had to shave that out of there because the interview was already long enough. <laughs> so, um you know, we'll uh, look forward to having her back on again, and I look forward to having you back later on this week when we have Evan Western from the AcmePacking.com uh, Nation, uh, SB Nation website to talk about the Green Bay Packers. That will be our next show to talk about them and get that one out of the way before we move on to the Lions and the Vikings. So, um, like I said, let me know what you guys think about the uh, for about the, the Bear Show. What should I do about the? Uh, bears and uh we'll see you on uh, on online if you guys are hitting me back so until then my name is larry d and this has been the chicago bears review